So when we finally move out of Advent and we move into the Christmas season, we, we start to play our Christmas songs, our Christmas carols, and we hear a lot of references to Christianity as being this fulfillment of Judaism, you know, the, the hope of Israel, uh, the king of Israel has come, right? We, we hear all these, these themes, um, but, but it's more than that, right? I think a lot of people think of Christianity as just another kind of Jewish offshoot, A sequel right? to Judaism. A sequel to Judaism, but, it, but it's more than that, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, that was the great insight of St. Paul and then expanded upon by the fathers that Christianity is a fulfillment of all the hopes, all the aspirations, not just of Jews, but of Gentiles as well. And we hear the hint of that even in the popular, uh, the popular hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, mm-hmm. where it says, the hopes and fears of all the years mm-hmm. are met in thee. Yep. Tonight. Yeah, Jesus wasn't just a, a, an addition to the prophets. He wasn't just an, um, an add-on to a philosopher, right? Mm-hmm. He brought everything together. Everything culminated in this person, Jesus of Nazareth. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, not to say that he, he doesn't fulfill Jesus. Mean, of course he does, you know, and, and, and maybe we could just run through that real quick. So, you know, if, if we were to say, you know, what is the purpose of this coming? Uh, what is the purpose of this nativity? Jesus sort of gives that answer to John the Baptist uh, when he's getting baptized in the, in the River Jordan. Because um, he says, well, you know, I need to be baptized of you. And he says, let it be so, for it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. If you could really put, like, just a one-liner, that's my favorite way of describing, like, why does Jesus come? To fulfill all righteousness. You know, and that means that he comes to fulfill the righteousness that you find in Judaism, so in, in Torah and temple, right? So Jesus is the true Torah, and he is the true temple in his body. Um, you know, he is the, the sacrifice itself. He's also the high priest who's going to offer that sacrifice. Uh, he's the, the revival of the Davidic kingdom, right? So he is now sitting on the throne of David. Um, so, you know, you have all of these elements, and at the nativity scene itself, you know, you see the shepherds are there. You know, these are the, these are the shepherds who are raising sheep, which, think about it, what are they raising sheep for, most likely? for the temple sacrifice. You know, I mean, the center and the source and the summit of Jewish life at this time is that temple. Temple and Torah. Right? Um, there's a great scholar, Oscar uh, Scarsani, where he says, uh, he has a great line where he says that um, a lot of people think of ancient Jerusalem as a city with a temple, but it was really for Jews a temple with a city. Mm-hmm. Right. And so 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 I, I think it's very um, it's very important for people to realize how central that temple and sacrifice was. And so to see the shepherds coming to worship the newborn king, the real lamb, mm-hmm. uh, is very symbolic. And, and, and the gospel writers knew that. And that's why they included that. So Jesus is this fulfillment of Judaism. But it's at the temple that we see uh, the prophet Simeon after Christ is born. He takes the newborn Christ you know, into his hands and he prophesies about him. And he says that this is now a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Israel has been vindicated mm-hmm. in its hopes, in everything that it was saying was going everything to happen. That was everything that was promised. It has now been vindicated, but it's more than that, right? Because it's now this child is a light for the Gentiles who've been walking in darkness, you know, but who have been yearning for something, but they yeah. didn't know what they were yearning right. for. Yeah, we need, to, we need to see Jesus' birth, the incarnation, and, and all of history is kind of like a funnel, right? A V, everything leads into, yeah. into Christ. And on the other side of that is a new age, mm-hmm. right? So all revelation that was there before Jesus was becoming more and more acute as you come to the incarnation. Yeah. So the law was given, the prophets were given, 
And the Greeks too, the Gentiles too, had philosophers who were philosophizing about who God was and, and what he was like and what he was going to do and all those types of things. And all that was kind of culminating and coming together and becoming more acute, not just for Jews, but for Gentiles too. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the Gentiles were actually making, if, if you study the, the, the history of you know, Gentile cultures too, they were making so much progress. Mm -hmm. you know, th this is a big, a big like, you know, I question when people say, you know, that religion makes no progress. You know, you'll hear that, right, from like scientism today. Like, oh, religion. But it does. It really does. If you study the history of religion, it makes a lot of progress. You start off with very primitive ways of doing things, thinking the morality is very primitive. But then as time goes on, it becomes much more acute, like you're saying. And the Gentiles move from just like their pagan rites. Now you have the now you have the Greek philosophers. Yep. You have the birth of philosophy. And now they're, they're, they're saying, well, really, I mean, the, yeah, the pagan stories are nice, but really... There's only one See, God. And, and, well, yeah, and, 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 and the difference is that we, we, when, we talk, when we speak about Israel, we, we speak about them in, in getting, receiving direct revelation from God. Yeah. When we look at the Gentiles, the non-Jews, we can say that they were given natural revelation. Mm -hmm. They were given a rationality, yeah. which, which brings up St. Justin Martyr right in the second century. Mm -hmm. St. Justin Martyr is pleading with the Roman people. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, this Jesus that is being preached among the Jews in the synagogues being spread throughout the Mediterranean world, this Jesus, this king is also the fulfillment of your desires, yeah. your hopes as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and he has this concept of logos spermaticos. This is huge. Yeah. yeah, this is a huge principle. Logos spermaticos. So logos, we're familiar with the term, right? The word. Um, and spermaticos, so the seminal word. And what Justin Martyr is arguing to the Romans, he's saying that, because truth, God, yeah. yeah, because God made us rational beings, we each have a share in his own rationality. Mm -hmm. And that rationality and that reason leads us to reason himself, mm -hmm. reason as a person. Yeah. Right? And so that you can see, you can trace out through the philosophers, the Gentiles were getting there. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're speaking about, oh, God is one mm -hmm. and the Logos does exist. Yeah. Right. They're reaching this point in history. Yeah. And a really quick pithy way of putting that is just that all truth is God's truth, mm -hmm. you know? So, so any any true statement, anything that is good, beautiful, or true. Yeah, anything that no matter what the source is, it could be you know whether it's coming from a, the mouth of a Hindu or from a Buddhist or it, back then you know coming from someone who's a devotee of the cult of Mithra or something. You know, if they say something that's true, it's God's truth. Yep. It's in accordance with reason, and reason is Jesus, <laughs> the Logos. And, and, and that's what the ancient philosophers came to. They came to this idea of the one. <laughs> and from the one, you have the many. Um, but they, they had this, this, this problem where they were like, well, how, do, how does the one interact with the many without being acted upon? Because if he's acted upon, he's not God. You know? So they're trying to figure right. that out. And they came up with a concept of like the demiurge, and they had a lot of different things. But then enters in like, like St. John. Yeah, the Gospel of John. <laughs> St. John begins his gospel with, in the beginning was the Logos, in the beginning was the Word, mm -hmm. and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We miss it in translation. Yep. We miss that, because th that word that we translate as just Word, mm -hmm. <laughs> for us, maybe that makes a lot of sense, but for the ancients, he's saying Logos. He's using a very he's, specific term. He's speaking term. directly to the Gentile culture. Directly to the, mm -hmm. the pagan philosophers. Absolutely. He's saying, so in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. That's how you get the connection between the one and the many because he is God. <laughs> yeah, and, and what that is speaking to is, that, see, the Gentiles, uh, the Gentile philosophers were believing in the Logos as kind of a intermediary being, mm -hmm. not as the being, not right. as supreme being. But John is saying, no, he, he was God. He, That's right. You know, he is God. And St. Augustine has this great part um, in his Confessions in Book 7 where he says, you know, it was from Plato that I learned that God was one. 
It was from Plato that I learned the Logos existed, the Word of God existed. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't hear from Plato was that the Word became flesh. Bam. Yeah. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the Word went to the cross. Because, yes, because, see, human reason, it can only take you so far. Natural revelation, meaning the book of nature, uh, the light of reason, when, when we use these things in conjunction with each other, we can come to a certain point. It's even like science today, right? Like science can take you so far, it really can, really far. It can take you far, but then there's this point at which you say, yeah, but why? Yeah. <laughs> like, why does all this exist? And that's where God steps in and, and, and graciously gives revelation. Well, and gives direct revelation. Yeah. And this is where St. Paul comes in. Because in his letter to the Galatians, St. Paul says, when the fullness of time had come, mm -hmm. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law and bring them in as adopted adopted yeah. sons and daughters. Yeah, and historically, the fullness of time, right? Like, so when I look at that and I look historically at that, I would say it is the fullness of time because during the, the time of the Roman Empire, you finally have the best of cultures coming together to in, to exchange their ideas. You have under one the, roof, one uh, empire, one empire. Exactly. Yeah. So you have the Near Eastern cultures with you know where where they've been so far, Zoroastrianism and all these different things. You have the Greeks bringing their philosophy. You have the Romans, you know, with their religious uh, rights and their adoption of Greek philosophy well, you plus also, Cicero, plus you know. Well, and language, right? The lingua franca of of, of the empire was Greek. Everybody's speaking Greek. Yep. So yep. you know you can you can uh, spread the gospel much more easily. Even easily. even great too. I mean, you have African culture. I mean, most people forget that, but like Africa was a, a pinnacle part of the Roman Empire. You have Carthage, huge, huge fortress there with trade going on. You've got Alexandria. That is the center of... Thought. Of wisdom, <laughs> thought in the ancient world. Plus, it has um, a lot of Judaism, a lot of really interesting types of Hellenistic Judaism there. So, um, all of these, all of these thoughts coming together at but once. There's, there's, there's also there's additional reasons why Paul's saying it was the fullness of time mm -hmm. when Jesus was born, and it's because everything that was promised, everything that was said and needed to be said and promised. Has was said and promised. Right. Whether it was direct revelation to the Jews or natural revelation to the Gentiles, everything was happening. Mm -hmm. And um, the law became a tutor, right, to the yes. Jews. Philosophy was a tutor to the Gentiles leading them to Christ. So everything's coming mm -hmm. together, right? This, the second part of that is that the early church fathers also say, especially St. Athanasius, he says that this was a, a time period when, when not only man was getting kind of morally worse, man's always getting morally worse, <laughs> but they were getting religiously worse. Mm -hmm. So what, what Athanasius is saying in On the Incarnationist Treatise, he's saying that it came to a point where men were taking the revelation given to them and were making idols out of it. Yeah. So for the Jews, the law became an end in itself. Mm -hmm. Instead of seeking the lawgiver, they were seeking after the law, right? And that's what Jesus came to break down in the Sermon on the Mount, especially. Um, for the Gentiles, they, of course, were enslaving themselves to idols, yeah. to images instead of the true image, the mm -hmm. image of God. They were enslaving themselves to wisdom instead of wisdom himself. Plus you start to have kind of like the cult of the emperor. Yeah. So they start to idolize even the emperor, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, well, wait a minute. You, you went through all these centuries of philosophy talking about the one. Yeah. <laughs> so all these great promises, all this great revelation and hints that God has been delivering, they turned it over. Now, So now God, this is the time I'm going to act. Right. This is the time I'm going to move yeah. to bring about the incarnation of my yeah. son. So all these voices are happening, they're making progress, and all of a sudden they're starting to get, you know, I guess in a way full of themselves and starting to, to have tunnel vision. Now it's time for God to, to speak. And he speaks 
in the streets of Bethlehem. You know, that's where the word, the logos, uh, the hopes and fears of all the years takes flesh. And so that fullness of time comes. And I love how St. Bernard of Clairvaux puts it actually in his Advent sermons. He says, what Paul meant by the fullness of time was the ending of one age and the beginning of the end times. Mm. So no matter how long from Jesus' birth yeah. to, the, to the second coming, these are the end times. A new age is upon us because right. of the birth of Christ. And so that it's important that Christians keep their calendars BC, mm -hmm. before Christ, Anno Domini, the year, the year of our Lord. Yeah, right? and that's a good point this too. That I, I like that you said that you know it doesn't matter how much time, and that's true because if people really want to, if you really want to get in there of how much time preceded Christ's coming. 14 billion years of the cosmos that's how much time you know so it could be it could be billions of years before Jesus comes back it could be tomorrow mm -hmm. that's the point but we're living in that end age when Jesus is now all of history it begins with him John 1 right it, it, the whole story of creation began with Jesus John 1 the whole story climaxes with Jesus right birth death resurrection mm -hmm. um, but now the story is going to culminate in him and and so he has a plan to recreate the creation, right? Yep. So that's why, like you said, it's a it's a it's a funnel all of history. You know, it's it's revolving around now this man, this word of God that has now been spoken into human flesh. Because the cosmic story, you know, because the the human story now revolves around this man, it is now his story, history, right? And the desire of nations has now come upon us. Um, what that actually tells everyone, Jews and Gentiles included, is that actually this new, this new way, this, this gospel is the most ancient religion. Yeah. Well, that's in part what St. Paul is arguing uh, in his letter to the Galatians. He's telling them that you are heirs of Abraham, you're children of Abraham. St. Paul never says that Christians are heirs to Judaism or heirs to Moses or heirs yeah. of the law. No, he said he goes back before the law, before Moses and says, you're heirs of the promise mm -hmm. that was given to Abraham. The yeah. promise that from Abraham's stock, from Abraham's seed would come a ruler who would mm -hmm. two things, crush evil and bring about the good. Yeah, that's the point of the gospel, crushing evil and bringing about the good. And that's such a great retort to the Judaism of his time, yeah. you know, because they're so, fo like we said, our father, Abraham, so, our father Abraham, so tunnel focused on like the Torah, the Torah, the Torah. And it's like, oh, so, so Moses becomes the big, the big star. Yeah. But he goes, uh-uh-uh, no. before that, Abraham. Abraham. Yeah. Yep. And we're heirs to the promise. And, and that promise of this coming ruler actually predates even Abraham. Mm. Abraham receives it from his ancestors who came from Egypt. That's a good point. Yeah, that's right. There's, the, you know, in Egypt you had this kind of ruler cult as well. Um, but the, the promise that predates Abraham found its way into the scriptures. Mm -hmm. It found its way into Genesis 3, 15 and 3, 16. It's actually one of my favorite verses of the, of yeah. the Bible. And it's in that verse where God is speaking to the serpent. And he says to the serpent that you'll be cursed, right? You'll, you'll uh, go on your belly for the mm -hmm. rest of your days and eat dust. Um, but then he says that I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, yeah. and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. This is the, what we call the proto-gospel. This is the first promise of a coming Messiah, somebody who's going to come and crush evil. Mm. And it shows up right there in Genesis. That's the seed, that, the promise that was given to Abraham mm -hmm. and passed on through the generations. Christianity is the fulfillment of that ancient, ancient promise that yeah. came out of Egypt. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting because if we're saying that you know Abraham's religion is really this this development from um, a, an earlier religion in Egypt, mm-hmm. um, that that fits in perfectly with God Himself says this. He says, "Out of Egypt I called my son. Mm-hmm. Out of Egypt I called Israel." Yep. And so when we think of the most ancient ancient religion in the world, the most ancient organized religion, we think of Egypt. Think right? of Egypt. Well, that yeah. that idea of a coming ruler was mm-hmm. was ingrained in Egyptian society. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the pharaohs, these divine son, yeah. these divine kings, who they mummified them not just for preservation; they mummified them for incarnation. Right. That they believe that one of their rulers would come to defeat evil and bring about the good. See, I could see a cynic at this time sort of breaking down the door and saying, aha, see? So that just goes to prove that all religions are just building off each other, their own little, like, you know, fables and stories, and that's all well and good, but it's all it's all garbage. You're all just, you know, you're pulling from each other. But what's interesting is that's why Christmas is a big kick in the face to that, to that because, because God actually says otherwise. And he says, no, this was all part of the plan. Mm -hmm. I wanted human beings to do this. This wasn't myth stealing. This was an organic development of revelation down through the centuries. Getting getting clearer and clearer, a clear and clearer picture of what's really what's really going on in the cosmos and what it's really about. And 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 did we lose hope? Yes. There were many times where people lost faith. Read the book of Ecclesiastes, people. (laughs) I mean this guy has lost his faith in a way. You know, it's like he there were there were times like read the Psalms. We're like, God, are you even there? Is all this even true? Well well even well you think about the time from the last prophet given to Israel to the time of St. John the Baptist appearing. Hundreds of years went by where Silence. there were no prophets. Yeah. God was silent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this isn't about mythology stealing. Right. This is about progressive revelation mm-hmm. and fulfillment of that seed of truth. Yes. Again, all truth is God's yeah. truth. So this week then, you know, as Christmas is approaching and, and it's on everybody's mind, you know, it, I want this to serve as sort of just a, a larger context for Christians to make them realize just how magnificent, how, grand, how yeah. magnificent this feast really is and what it really means that God incarnates among men and how that fulfills everything. I mean, all, all hopes, all yeah. hopes of, of, of Jews and Gentiles alike going back, spanning the ages. Every desire of man is fulfilled here. Yeah. And so, you know, our, our devotion and our worship should reflect that. Absolutely. <laughs> that yeah. that the, the worship of all ages culminates in our mass. That's and a it, good point. It's it not just in our, it's not just Bethlehem. No. <laughs> That's no. a good point. It, it culminates in the summit of our faith, and that is the Eucharist. The incarnation is present to us in the Eucharist. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So when you when you you know go to your you know in-laws' house or something, you know you got the Christmas lights and the Santa and this kind of stuff. That's 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 all well and good. You know, and and it's nice to have that sentimental experience of the season. Yeah. But what we want to say is take this into your mind. This big cosmic grand the funnel of history, poetic story that God is telling us, you know, and has revealed to us in Christ, and go and be a part of it a part of that incarnation at Mass. Go to Midnight Mass or go to Christmas Day Mass and really be a part of that and take in the glory of Israel and the light of the Gentiles. So from the Catholic Brothers, we wish you and all of your family and, and everybody, friends, uh, Merry Christmas and a very happy and safe New Year. Merry Christmas.